Unshakable life. This morning we're going to talk about I will not lose heart. I will not lose heart. The person living the unshakable life, as you should know by now, is the person that builds their life firmly and squarely on the unshakable word of God. Why? Because that person is anchored in the word of God. That person is immovable. That person is indestructible. And with that, we make uh, faith life declarations out of our mouth. And why do we do that? Because when we make declarations, what happens is uh, it, it unites our heart. It unites our words with the unshakable word of God that we can make these unshakable life declarations. You see, so much of our life is dependent upon the things that we declare. The things that we say and speak over our life really helps to form and shape our destiny. It, it really sets us on a path as to where we're going and it tells us where we're going to end up. You know where you are in your life. Think about it. Six months ago, a year ago, you began to speak some things and now you begin to see what you speak. A lot of times we say things just off the cuff and we don't realize that our words have power. <laughs> Our words don't only have power for others, but our words have power for us. And so just to recap this series in Psalms 27, I'm just going to go down through the whole psalm real quick. And I want to just quickly give you a bunch of scripture this morning, if that's all right. I mean, listen, our, listen we're talking about building our life on the unshakable, what? Word of God, right? So it should be all right that we go through a few scriptures this morning. So let's start at Psalm 27. Verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. I'm reading out of the New King James. Whom shall I fear? David said. Who is there that I would fear? The Lord is my, the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Guess what? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and they fell. Though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. We're talking about I will live life strong. That was our first declaration. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm going to go for it. I'm not going to turn 60, 70, 80, 90 years old and start saying, I wish I would have done this. What if I would have tried that? What if I would have went back to school? What if I would have uh, read my Bible a little bit more? What if I would have been a little nicer to people? No, let's do it now, today. I will live life strong. And then David went on to say in verse 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek. What is that? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. Why? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He's saying, I will love God's house passionately. Why? Because if you build God's house, if you build God's house, he will build your house. That's why David said, I will love God's house passionately. For in time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in his secret place, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. I love the house of God, David is saying. And then in verse 6, and now my head shall be lifted above, up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing the praises of the Lord. Guess what? I will hold my head high. Stop walking around with your head down. 
I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what you're going through. There is no reason for you to walk around with your head to the ground. David said, no matter what's going on, I will hold my head high. He goes on to say in verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. Really what he's saying here is I will have an overflowing heart. My heart will just overflow because I want to be in your presence. Don't, don't turn away from me. When my father and mother forsake me, down in verse 10, then the Lord will take care of me. I will turn to God at all times. And then last week, verse 11 and 12, we said, teach me your way, O Lord, like David, and lead me in a what? Smooth path. Come on. Because of my enemies, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. He's saying here, I will walk on a level path. Do you know that when Peter stepped off of the boat, when Jesus said, well, come on then, Peter, you want to come to me? You see me walking on water? Come on. When Peter stepped off of that boat, the water was shaky. Come on. The winds were contrary and coming against him. I mean, it was rising up. But guess what? He was walking on a level path. Because he was walking on the word of God. Uh, walking on a level path doesn't mean there aren't circumstances that are coming against you. Walking on a level path means in spite of all that's coming against me, I'm just going to walk right on through it. I'm going to make my way to the end. And here we come to the last declaration in verse 13. And that is, I will not lose heart. No matter what happens, I will not lose heart. I won't lose heart. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to do it. Verse 13, he said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I will not lose heart. How many know sometimes you just get in a situation and you don't know the way out of the situation? You look left and you look right and you don't really see a way out. You've tried things to do and they've all failed. Sometimes you need to just stand up and make a declaration. You just need to begin to declare some things. And what better to declare than the word of God? We need to declare the word of God. What is a declaration? A declaration is simply this. It's a formal announcement of the beginning of a state or a condition. In other words, I'm announcing what I'm about to walk into. I'm letting you know, devil. Come on. It's not out of arrogance because I'm announcing the word of God. Come on. Not out of arrogance, but I'm letting you, devil, and all of my adversaries know the path that I'm about to get on. A declaration is also, it can be known as a listing of goods or property or income subject to tax. In other words, it's what I have. I'm declaring what I have. So not only is a declaration at the beginning of something, but you're declaring what you already have, though you haven't walked into it yet. I hope somebody's getting this this morning. And why we need to make declarations, why we need to make faith life declarations, unshakable declarations based on the unshakable word of God. God is someone you can trust. 
Turn to Hebrews. I might get off course a little bit here, but don't worry, we won't be too long. Turn to, turn to the book of Hebrews. Why, why are we making declarations based on the word of God? Hebrews chapter 6. You know, a lot of people can make declarations. We, we can say a lot of things. There's, uh, you know, stuff that we feel like we can trust, like science, because it's proven. God invented science, so I, I'm all about science, because I know God invented it. So God, science doesn't do anything. It doesn't disprove God. It proves God. Now, why, can we, why can we trust God? Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says this in chapter 6. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. That's a word we don't use every day. Immutability simply just means can't change. It just doesn't change. That's what that means. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, watch this now, in which it is impossible for God to lie. The writer here is saying, by two immutable th things that cannot change, it is impossible for God to lie. I want to tell you something this morning. God knows what a lie is. It's not that God doesn't know what a lie is. You have to know what a lie is in order to be able to recognize it. Come on, he knows what it is. But he just, it's impossible for him to do it because it's not in his nature. God cannot lie. Do you believe that this morning? God cannot lie. Let's turn over to Titus. Titus, right after Timothy, just flip back a few pages. Just look at Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, the first two verses of this. You're going to have to look in your Bible because I don't have this on the board this morning, so I do a little work. Titus chapter 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which is according to godlessness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot what? Lie, promised before time began. Every word is established out of the, the mouth of two or three witnesses. We have two witnesses right here, and there's plenty more in there. God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie, and he cannot lie. How many believe that God cannot lie this morning? Some of you believe that, at least a few, understand that God cannot lie. God, it's not in his nature. He is altogether perfect. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. Come on. He was here before time began, and he'll be here long after time is over with. God is altogether perfect, and he cannot lie. All right, we've established that he cannot lie. Now, turn to Romans. I told you we were going to go through a few, few uh, scriptures this morning. Turn over to Romans, and Romans is part of the new covenant. <laughs> It's, it's the covenant that Jesus made with us. It's a better covenant. Romans, look at Romans chapter 5. Now remember, we just established the fact that God cannot lie. We're talking about, I, I, I will not lose heart. Why can I say I will not lose heart? Why can I make any of these faith declarations based on the word of God? That's what we're talking about. And we've just established that God cannot lie. Well, let's go a little further. Let's see this. Romans chapter 5, look at, look at verse 19. Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, he's talking about Adam, 
many were made sinners. So also by one man's, capital M, he's talking about Jesus here, one man's obedience, many were made what? Righteous. So by one man's disobedience, you were made a sinner. By another man's disobedience, I mean, another man's obedience, you were made righteous. Notice what Paul is saying in this verse of scripture here. He's not saying that at the beginning of time, Adam fell and therefore now you have a choice. Do you want to be a sinner or do you want to be righteous? What do you want to be? No, there was no choice. You didn't have a choice. You were, the Bible says you were made sinners. You agree with that? You agree that you didn't come into the world and say, hey, I'd like to be a sinner. Right? You didn't do that. You were made a sinner. Well, then Paul goes on to say, by one man's obedience, you were made righteous. So you cannot say, I am a sinner saved by grace. You've heard it preached before. I'm either a sinner or I'm saved by grace. I'm either a sinner or I'm a righteous person. Now, here's the thing that trips us up. What we do is we do like the world and we begin to look in the mirror and we begin to look at things that we've done and things that we've said and how we act. And based on that, we judge ourselves to be sinners. But we can't do that. You see, that's what the world does. The world looks at you and the world looks at the color of your skin or the world looks at your age or the world looks at your gender or where you were born and the world judges you by those things. They look at you and say, well, you were born on that side of the tracks and usually people on that side of the tracks turn into criminals, so I'm just guessing you're probably going to be a criminal or, you, you know, you're this way or you're uh, that color or you're this tall, so you're probably going to play basketball or you're this, uh, you wear glasses, so you're probably smart. The world judges you based on how you look and then their own experience. But we need to understand that the kingdom of God does not work that way. And neither can you judge yourself based on what you see in the mirror. Now, remember, I know we have a little bit of an issue with this because we're talking about ourselves now and we're talking about righteousness. But remember, we just established the fact that God cannot lie. Is this the word of God or not? And Paul said, the Holy Spirit said through Paul that by one man's disobedience, you were made sinners by the, another man's obedience, you were what? Made righteous. So I want to tell you, if you've accepted the Lord Jesus in your heart, you've declared him, you've confessed him as your savior, whether you like it or not, you are righteous. Whether you act like it or not, you're righteous. See, uh, just because you sin doesn't make you a sinner. I, I, I know you've got a problem with it. But we just, listen, that's why I established God, God doesn't lie. And Paul just said you were made righteous. So you say, well, that doesn't sound right, Brother Mike. That just says that I can sin. No. No. Because if you keep reading and wrong, read a chapter. I won't read it right now, but just keep on going and see what Paul says. He says, God forbid. I, I dare to tell you, God is your father and he loves you and he'll crush you if you keep sinning. For your own sake. Come on now. So don't think that you can do that. But just because you trip up, that doesn't make you a sinner. No more than standing in a, a garage makes you a car. <laughs> or sinking a putt makes you a professional golfer. Come on. But 
Sinners sin because they're sinners. Righteous people sin because they don't know who they are. What I'm telling you this morning is realize who you are and stop doing it. Because you're not sinning because you're a sinner. The devil is just putting some things in your mind. Well, this is who you are and this is how you judge and this is what you do. And we need to listen to the word of God because God cannot lie. God cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. And so you say, all right, Brother Mike, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, God cannot lie, and I've been made righteous. I don't feel righteous. Well, God didn't say that you're going to feel righteous. He said you were made righteous. Understand that. Well, how do I, how do I understand and, and live like what I am when I don't feel that way? Because I feel a certain way. I'm glad you asked that question. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. Flip back a few pages. Let's just see. Some things you've heard before. You know what? I like to go through things I've heard before sometimes just so I could be reminded. Come on. Sometimes we need to be reminded. Look at Romans chapter 1. How do I do this? How, how do I live righteous if I don't feel righteous? Romans chapter 1 verse 17. For in it... In fact, let's go back to 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Not you, not your acts, not what you do. Come on, not what you say. That's not the power of God to salvation. Come on, the gospel is. Uh, for everyone who believes, not everyone who acts right. I'm just trying to give you the truth this morning. For the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from what? Faith. To faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. That's how you can act righteous even when you don't feel righteous. In fact, it, the, the, you know, they, they quoted this one. It really quotes Habakkuk, right? Where it says, the, it says, as it is written. But really what's written in Habakkuk, the just shall live by his faith. So the just is, you're not going to live by someone else's faith. You're going to live by the faith that God, and God gave everyone, read Romans chapter 12, the measure of faith. You have it. What I'm trying to get to you this morning is you already have it. You are righteous. You can make faith declarations because God gave it to you. You are righteous. You don't believe me? Turn over to Galatians chapter 3. Every word is established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Galatians chapter 3. Look at chapter 3 verse 11. Chapter 3 verse 11 says this. But that no one is justified by the law. So you've been trying to do right things. You've been trying to follow the law. I do right by people. I treat people right. You know, I, I, I might loan them some money if I have it. Uh, you know, I say nice things. I, but listen, it, no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. It's evident. The just shall what? Talk to me. The just shall live by faith. Now, I want to tell you something about this. Turn back over to Hebrews for a moment. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. I told you we were just going to go to a few different scriptures this morning. I want to tell you something about what God is trying to get into you this morning, about this thing, the just shall live by faith. It's not just something where we say, well, okay, God, you know what? Mm, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to do the best I can. God, God's not saying try to do the best you can. He's not even asking you to try. He's saying do it. Do it. 
live by faith. And you want to know why he can say that to you? Because he imputed into you righteousness. So if you're not doing it, you're slapping him in the face saying, no, God, the faith you gave me is not good enough. The righteousness you imputed in me is not good enough. I am greater than your righteousness. I, my sin is greater than your grace. That's what you're saying to God when you don't believe that you can live righteousness. When you can live righteous. Come on, somebody. But grace is greater than sin. Because what? Where sin does abound. Come on, somebody. Grace does that much more abound. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, verse 37. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now, pay attention. Now, the just shall live by faith, but if anyone, read the whole thing now. If anyone draws back, whew, my soul has no pleasure in him. Do you understand where God is coming from with this thing? The just shall live by faith. But if you draw back, I don't have any pleasure. There's no, oh, <laughs> I think I'm going to try. I, if you do that, I have no pleasure in you. Not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to tell you that God wants you to come on and let's go. Get on or get off. Jesus. We're coming to a point, this is the last message in the series, and we're coming to a point even this morning where we got to either do it or get off the pot. My grandfather used to say, he used to use some other words, but... You know what I'm saying. Come on, it's time to step up. The just shall live by faith. Let me ask you this question. When do you live? Do you live on Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and some Saturdays? Is that when you live? When do you live? Not your question. You live every day. Do you live just like January, March, July? When do you live? Every day, every month, three, 24, 7, 365. To me, that means there's no time left. Now, to put this, that Habakkuk in, in proper context, uh, because I, I do like teaching and studying, to put it in proper context, really when it says the just shall live by his faith, that word live there is, is talking about living as opposed to dying. In other words, Babylon uh, at that point was really, um, you know, to be judged. Right, because they were lawless and they were godless and they had no righteousness. And so either you're going to live with God or you're not going to be with God. So there's a difference in eternal life with God and not with him. And because of your faith, for by grace ye are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is, of the, it is the gift of God. And so by your faith, you will live, you will have eternal life. Uh, but if we can just also look at that, when do you live? You're always living. So what this is talking about is this is not something that you do when we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not just something we're going to say, well, Monday I had some faith and then Wednesday I really didn't have that much faith. I, that happens to us. I'm not condemning you. Trust me. But I believe God is convicting all of us this morning to say I will live by faith. And it doesn't have to do with circumstances. In fact, the only way to get on top of your circumstances is to live and walk and move by faith. In him I live and move and have my being. Who I am is in him. He's asking for all of you. He gave all of him to you. Come on, somebody. 
And so he's saying, he's making you a promise this morning. If you will fall into me, if you will walk, if you will live, if you will move by faith, these declarations that you make, what you're doing is you're, you're declaring things with creative power because you're declaring based on the word of God. And your life will be unshakable. No one will be able to move you. You're anchored in the word of God. You're immovable and you are indestructible when you begin to declare these things. I will not lose heart. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you win 20 times in a row. I'm coming back again because I will not lose heart. I just simply won't do it. Our declaration this morning is saying simply this, I will resist the lies of the enemy that seek to blind my eyes to the goodness and the greatness of God working in my life. My God is for me and is able to strengthen my heart at all times. I refuse to lose heart. I will not do it. I will not lose heart. Isaiah 41.10 in the New Living Translation says this, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. The King James says, with my righteous right hand. The NLT says, with my victorious right hand. In other words, I've already got the victory. Not, not my hand that's going to be victorious, but my hand that's already won. I'm going to hold you up with that. I'm your God. Don't be afraid. Another translation puts it this way. Don't panic. I know you're going through some stuff. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear. I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. I will keep a firm grip on you. You ever felt like you're losing your grip on life? Well, God is saying, don't worry about it. I will hold. I got you. I will have a firm grip on you. And to do this, to not lose heart, you have to believe. David said it. You have to believe in the scripture. You have to believe in God's word. You have to believe in God's character. And you have to believe in his promises that he will do it for you. You won't lose heart if you simply believe. You have to believe. You have to be able to see. Oh, we sang it this morning. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open up your heart and see with your faith eyes. Is what We walk by faith not by sight and the just shall live by faith and so you have to see you have to be able to see it you have to trust in the goodness of the Lord God has goodness <laughs> one time David said uh, he said I he, it was almost like he was saying I cannot believe the greatness of your goodness <laughs> it's not just your goodness but the greatness of your goodness Believe Psalm 31, he says, oh, how great is your goodness. Believe in the goodness of God. Believe in it. Psalm 23, 6, you know it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, come on, of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe, oh God, in your goodness. Come on, I believe in your goodness. You won't lose heart if you simply wait. David declared it. He said, wait on the Lord. Because God is able. Wait on the Lord. And you know Isaiah 40, 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. Come on. They shall, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. 
They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Just wait on the Lord. When we hear that word wait, it means to hold tightly on to. It doesn't mean to sit back. Come on and just be lazy. It means to hold tightly on to God, to wait with the notion of holding on strongly. Come on. You got to hold on with a strength. And it means to serve God, just like a waiter would do in a restaurant. A waiter doesn't just sit over in the corner. Go ahead, get something to eat. If you're waiting on me, you're coming over to see about my needs. That's what God is saying. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And, and God will renew your strength. What does that mean when it says he's going to renew your strength? Do you know what that means? It means to exchange our strength for his. That's what it really means. It doesn't mean that the strength that you have is going to get a little bit better. It means that you give him all the strength that you got, and guess what? He'll give you his strength. Whew, I'd rather have his strength. Come on. I mean, you know, I mean, practically, if, 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 I, was, if I was getting into a fight, and I, and I saw Kevin Hart there, and I saw The Rock, I would want the strength of The Rock. Come on. You're in the fight of life, and I'm looking at me, and I'm looking at God, I want his strength. Wait on the Lord and he will renew your strength. In other words, he's going to give you his strength this morning. Come on, if you would wait on him. You won't lose heart if you allow God to strengthen your heart. Allow him to do it. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. He shall strengthen your heart. There, there are those who, who need strength in their heart. Who am I talking to this morning? Well, I'm talking to all of us, but there are those who may be discouraged this morning. Maybe that's you. You're disheartened. You're depressed. Maybe you've lost some courage. Maybe this morning you're a little faint-hearted. You know what faint-hearted means? It means you're kind of downcast. You're kind of weak in spirit. You know, it's just that life has beat you down. You've tried it and tried it, and, and you've come up short, and you've come up short, and it's made you faint-hearted. The oppressed. The oppressed are crushed in spirit. What about the depressed or even the weary? You ever been through some things in life and you've been fighting and you win some, you lose some maybe, but you just kind of feel weary. You're kind of tired. God says, faint not. You have the victory. Don't give up. Don't faint. I remember being in the service. Some of you been, being in the service remember this. I remember uh, being in basic training, and I remember uh, going through some things in basic with the, with the big Alice pack on my back and my weapon, and, and we're doing these hikes, and we're going through stuff, and you know, I look, and I'm so tired because we've done th gone through stuff, and I look up, and it's 10.30 a.m., and I'm going, man, we still got the whole rest of the day to go, and Jill Sarger said, don't give up. You're training for war. You give up. Not only might you die, but others will die too. You can't give up. God is telling you this morning, don't give up. There's those of us who have been attacked by Satan's fiery darts. And those of us who have been afflicted. There are those who are afflicted. I, emotional strain. Maybe the enemy tries to throw sickness at you. There's physical limitations that you have. Those of us who have been afflicted. I want to tell you something this morning about affliction. Ted Engstrom, he is... Uh, the, he used to be the president of Youth for Christ. He passed away in 2006. Very bright man, very insightful, had a lot of revelation. Listen to what he said about affliction. He said, cripple him and you'll have Sir Walter Scott. 
Lock him in a prison cell and he'll, you'll have John Bunyan. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge and you have a George Washington. Raise him in abject poverty, you have an Abraham Lincoln. Strike him down with infantile paralysis and he becomes Franklin Roosevelt. Burn him so severely that the doctors say he'll never walk again and you have a Glenn Cunningham who, by the way, set the one mile record back in 1934 after being burned badly and they said he'll never walk again. Deafen him and you'll have a Ludwig van Beethoven. Have him or her born in a black society, in a society filled with racial discrimination, and you'll have a Booker T. Washington, a Marian Anderson, a George Washington Carver. Call him a slow learner or retarded, you'll have an Albert Einstein. <laughs> As one man summed it up, life is 20% what happens to us and 80% how we respond to the events. I know some of you may not have been afflicted in your life. Maybe you haven't gone through affliction. Maybe, maybe that hasn't happened to you. I, I personally know what that's like. I know what it's like to be afflicted. Maybe you haven't been a person who, when you were young and, and uh, you, you were diagnosed uh, with bronchial asthma so bad that you couldn't walk 100 feet without sitting down to take a breath, maybe that hasn't happened to you in your life. Maybe you're a person who hasn't gone through life all your life and, and was told that you're, you're just going to have asthma and you're going to have breathing problems your whole life so you can't play football. But instead of listening to that, you played high school football, being the smallest one on the team and knocked everybody out come on somebody maybe you were told that you can't do you're not going to be able to breathe so why don't you just go somewhere and sit down but instead of listening to that you joined the army and you made six mile runs and you made nine mile hikes with an owl's pack on your back not because of your strength but because of the strength of the Lord and because your grandmother told you to memorize Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me and Philippians 4:19. but my God shall supply all my needs maybe you haven't been through some things in your life where you were beat down and you made some mistakes. Uh, but instead of listening to that, you went to a father in the faith and he said, listen, God still has a plan for you. I don't care what you've been through. He wants to make you preach the word, even though you've been through all of those things. Maybe that hasn't happened to you. But I know that there are those of us who the enemy has tried to put affliction on, but because of God's great strength and because of the faith declarations we've been able to make, we went through the fire, we come out of it and don't don't even smell like fire. Come on, somebody. God, God doesn't promise every time to deliver you from the fire. Listen to this very closely. It's not that he promises every time to deliver you from the fire, but his promise is that I'm going to be in the fire with you. That's what the three Hebrew boys realized. God is able to deliver us. I don't know what he's going to do, but I know what? One thing. He's still God no matter what happens. If we go in the fire, he's going to be with us in the fire. We're going to come out and not even be burned. That's what I'm talking about. And some of us are just bewildered, those faced with life's contradiction. But I want to let you know this morning that God will strengthen you. If you will stand, if you will make a stand, if you will draw a line and make a stand and say, listen, listen. I'm going to make these faith declarations and, and I am not going to lose heart. I am going to be able to do it. God will see you through it. He'll give you the strength. 
Back to Isaiah 41.10, I'll leave you with this. He said, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How many know this morning that God is for you and not against you? And it has nothing to do with your circumstances or what you're going through this morning doesn't even have anything to do with how you've fallen short a number of times. doesn't have to do with how you take two steps forward and three steps backward. God wants to help you with all of those things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you that God wants you to live a life of two steps forward and three steps back. But what I'm telling you is if, if you want to get out of that, don't focus on that. Jesus. You want to get out of that, focus on these faith declarations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Focus on the word of God. 